Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Minnesota Twins 8, the Cleveland Indians 5. The Indians lose the series, go to extra innings again, and they lose the series to the last place Minnesota Twins. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And if you can tell... We're going at a little bit of a slower pace yesterday. Today, yesterday was a sprint to get out the door and get that day started. Today, we're a little more relaxed. Uh, I took the day off of work. Uh, I worked last weekend. I'm working next weekend. So I'm making this sort of my holiday weekend. And uh, yeah, we're a little bit calmer this morning. We're going to talk about the game. And then we're going to talk about the Indians sort of at the uh, quarter mark, right? They've crossed 40 games. It's a good time to evaluate a team and see where they stand, see what's going on compared to the rest of Major League Baseball, com- you know, compare the roster, and uh, see where we're at. And I'm sure you can guess, pitching, doing pretty good. Hitting, not doing so good. So we'll get into those numbers. First, we had a game yesterday, and the Indians... This might be one of the most frustrating Indians teams I've ever experienced in my entire life. I don't remember games like this before where it just felt like even when we're scoring runs, even when we're getting hits, they just let you down every time they're on offense. It's just, it's brutal sometimes. I mean, you get a guy to third with less than two outs and you cannot bring him in to score. It feels like teams against us, if that guy gets the third base with less than two outs, that's automatic that that guy's coming in to score, right? Even against Shane Bieber, they're getting that guy in to score. It's not happening with us. We're not getting that guy in to score, and it is, it's killing me. It's absolutely killing me watching these games. I'm getting so frustrated. I don't, I don't enjoy being frustrated during a baseball game. I should be relaxing during a baseball game. But when the Indians are three for 18 with runners in scoring position. It's really frustrating. 3 for 18 with runners in scoring position. And, I mean, the guy who felt this more than anybody else has to be Ahmed Rosario. He is 4 for 5 yesterday, including a double, including a triple. And he has zero runs scored on the day. They stranded him out there four times. He drove in two runs himself, but they stranded him out there four times yesterday. It was absolutely brutal. Could nobody bring in Ahmed Rosario? And he was locked in offensively. He was driving the ball to the right center field gap. He was shooting it through holes on the infield. And when he hit that ball in the right center field, he knew triple out of the batter's box. Right, He left that batter's box knowing he had a triple. And it's a fun feeling. Now, I, I only know this feeling from old man softball, but the feeling of rounding second and going for three, stretching it for three, is a fun feeling. Like There's, there's something about taking that wide turn around second base and just going full throttle for third base. Uh, that's a really fun feeling. Feeling It's fun to watch in a Major League Baseball game. It's fun to do in an old man softball game. It's just really, you could tell the base runner is like, oh, yeah. 
hell yeah, I'm going for third base. Like, we are doing this thing. I talked about it before with some of the big guys, right? When Fermil Reyes did it, when he realized he could have a triple, and he kind of, he turned the gas on, right? He put the pedal to the metal rounding second base and going for third. Years ago, when Travis Hafner hit for the cycle, I'll never forget the look on his face as he rounded second and went for third base. He went, he went from a man playing baseball to a little kid, you know, on the baseball diamond, just excited to be running the bases. And uh, a little bit different situation from Ahmed Rosario, who out of that batter's box thought, triple, that's a triple, I can make it there, and was just full speed all the way around the bases. So yeah, so uh, they just couldn't bring him in. I mean, it was unbelievable what was happening behind him. Let's go to the the scoreboard on Baseball Savant, and let's see a little bit of this. So... uh, after his single in the second, uh, Jose Ramirez flied out to end that threat. Uh, we were able to get a run. That single did drive in Yu Chang, who had a double in that inning. Uh, so that's good to see Yu Chang finally getting a big hit. And uh, we had runners on the corner there, and Jose Ramirez flied out to end that threat. Um, Jose Ramirez, after that first at-bat, did not have a good game at the plate. Uh, he was only, I believe, one for five on the day, that RBI and that run scored in the first inning was really the only thing he did offensively all day, uh, which hurt Ahmed Rosario. So the next time Ahmed Rosario comes up, uh, this time he, oh, that's the triple. So the double from Cesar Hernandez leads off the inning. Ahmed Rosario backs him up with a triple in the gap. And we what a situation we've got. We've already got one run across. We got another one just waiting on third base to score. Just waiting there. Easy. Nobody out. You know how many ways there are to score from third base with nobody out? A grounder on the infield, a pass ball, uh, a bunt. You can sack fly. You could. There's so many ways to score. And uh, the only way to not score is to strike out. And Jose Ramirez strikes out. Jordan Luplo strikes out. And Eddie Rosario grounds out to end the threat. I I remember listening to this, and it was the moment where I'm like, I can't I can't deal with these guys right now because how could you leave Ahmed Rosario stranded on third base? How just put it in play, put it in play, and that run probably comes into score somehow. Nope, can't get it done. His next time on base. I mean, this is the story of the game here. Oh, yeah, we start an inning now with uh, in the ninth inning, right? Cesar Hernandez walks to lead off the ninth inning. You're down a run. All you need is one run. Ahmed Rosario singles. Jose Ramirez comes up next, flies out. He, he hit a decent ball to center field, but he flies out to deep center. Cesar Hernandez is able to tag up and move to third. I was actually curious if Ahmed Rosario would try to tag up and go to second there. That's really hard to tag up from first and go to second on a fly ball. But we got runners on the corner. Jordan Luplo does lay down one of the most beautiful sack bunts you will ever see in your life. Uh, I give Jordan Luplo a ton of credit there because nobody thought that was coming. Uh, It was kind of the safety squeeze where uh, Cesar Hernandez doesn't really break. The difference between the safety squeeze and the suicide squeeze, the suicide squeeze, you are going on the pitch. Like, you're basically trying to steal home, and the, that batter is putting the ball in play to give you an extra few seconds to get home. The safety squeeze, 
you really make sure that that ball is down before you break. In case the guy pops up the pitch or something like that, which we've seen. We've seen people try to bunt and pop it up to the pitcher, pop it up to the catcher, first baseman charging in. You know, there's a lot of situations where that bunt doesn't get down. The safety squeeze, you wait to make sure that bunt gets down and then you break for home. So uh, it was a beautifully executed sack bunt and uh, it works. It ties up the game. But you still have Ahmed Rosario out there on second base in scoring position. You got one out. You got Eddie Rosario, the guy you paid good money to be an RBI producer in your lineup up at the plate. And he strikes out. And he strikes out. And then Owen Miller swings at the first pitch, hits his best ball of the day. Oh, by the way, Owen Miller's here. We didn't even talk about that yet. Owen Miller flies out uh, to end that threat in the ninth. And then Ahmed Rosario doesn't get another at-bat in the tenth. So, yeah. So, Ahmed Rosario being stranded on base is the big storyline here. Uh, So, guys had big hits throughout the day, right? The Indians were hitting the ball. The Indians put up 11 hits on the day, including a ton of extra base hits. Jose Ramirez doubled, Chang doubled, Cesar Hernandez doubled, Ahmed Rosario doubled, and Harold Ramirez doubled, and then Ahmed Rosario with that triple. So they were slugging yesterday. And, I mean, they did a great job of fighting their way back into this game, Uh, you know, and scoring scoring in that ninth inning to... uh, you know, to tie the game up and go into extra innings. But, man, live by the long ball, die by the long ball. The Twins, with two three-run home runs yesterday, were just backbreakers for the Indians. Uh, And they weirdly get it from the same spot in the lineup. Max Kepler, homers in the fourth inning. What's with the fourth inning? The Indians have given up a ton of runs in the fourth inning in this series. If I remember correctly, back from Friday night, that 10-0 loss, it was the fourth inning where the Twins put up nine runs. So the Twins have now put up 14 runs in the fourth inning alone in this series. So yeah, so the Indians, uh, you know, they're able to put one across in the fifth. That's the that's this double and the triple inning. So they made it a 5-4 game, and it's a 5-4 game all the way to the bottom of the ninth inning. And they do the sack bunt. They get that run across, so give them credit. But then, so Kepler in the three-hole gets a three-run home run in that fourth inning. Then Garlic, who's in the game for him because Kepler's got a hamstring or something, a lower leg injury, so they take him out of the game, and Garlic comes up in the 10th inning, and he hits a three-run home run after working a full count off of Karinczak. So yeah, six RBIs, two home runs, all from the same spot in the lineup, two different hitters. That's just, that's brutal. Three-run home runs will absolutely destroy you as a team, right? It's so hard to rebound from. A solo home run you could deal with, right? A solo home run is almost better than a rally. Fine, you got one. Fine. A three-run home run is just brutal to morale, to everything. It's so hard to come back from. And we didn't get the big home run. We did not get the big hit late in the game when we needed it. All right, so that was what was going on with the offense. It was, in some ways, a great day, right? So many guys on base, so many doubles, you know, so much stuff to cheer for, and yet, ah, God, those home runs just absolutely destroyed us. Uh, Speaking of the home runs, let's talk a little bit about the pitching. Plesak only lasts three and two-thirds, 
after Plesek had been pitching well of late, you know, looking back at form, uh, he only goes 63 pitches in this game, gives up five hits, five runs, only three earned because of Chang, uh, you know, fumbled one at first where he's still able to get the out, but could they have, you know, made more outs if he came home with that ball? So it's only three earned runs. Oh, only one walk, only one strikeout, and the home run allowed. It was a pretty quick trigger. I mean, Plesak only gave up four hard-hit balls on the day. But after what had happened in the fourth inning on Friday night, and we're already up to five runs in the fourth inning, it just didn't look like he was going to be able to get out of that inning. Right? It just looked like he had lost it on that inning. Um Let's see here. What was Plesak throwing yesterday? What was working for him? He went to the fastball the most. Slider change and curve. Um, his CSW isn't really that great on anything except for the fastball. He was actually getting a lot of called strikes with his fastball. Uh, they were not swinging and missing a ton. Only seven whiffs on 30 swings, so 23% on that. And, yeah, they uh, they just locked in on him. In that fourth inning. Looking over at the illustrator. Uh, it looked like he he was doing what he normally does with his pitches. His uh, slider was breaking down into the right. The changeup was breaking to the left. The curveball was kind of hitting both edges. And the fastball was up. So he was doing what you would expect uh, from Zach Plesak. I just, Francona had no confidence in him that he could get out of that fourth inning. But the bullpen comes in and does what the bullpen is supposed to do. I mean, they shut him down. Kyle Nelson, one in a third inning, only one hit, no walks, two strikeouts. Phil Maiden goes an inning, gives up a walk, but two strikeouts. Whitgren, a clean inning, two strikeouts. Shaw, a walk and a strikeout, nothing else in his inning. Quantrill goes a clean inning with two strikeouts. And then Karinchek comes in in the 10th inning. And the laws of probability say... You are going to have a bad inning. Throughout a 162-game schedule, you are going to have a bad inning. And that was Karinchek yesterday in the 10th inning, right? He gives up two walks in that inning, gives up a three-run home run. It was the only hit he gave up was the three-run home run. Doesn't have a strikeout. Uh, yeah. It's it's rough. He's only has he's only credited with two earned runs because that one runner was the inherited runner in the tenth inning, the guy that's put on second base in the tenth inning. But a walk and a three run home run is not what we expect from James Karinchek. So everybody gets one. I, I mean, everybody gets a handful. To be honest, right? It's a hundred sixty two game season. You are going to screw up. You're going to take losses. You're going to screw up. Trevor Steffen comes in and he gets three outs to get out of the tenth inning. So the bullpen mostly, I mean, let's be honest, the bullpen did their job, right? The Indians had to claw from behind and get back into the game. And the only way you do that is if the bullpen can shut them down. And the fact that one, two, three, four, five different pitchers could come in after Plesak to complete the nine-inning game and not give up another run is pretty incredible. In fact, they only gave up one hit. Town Nelson was the only one who gave up a hit. They went four uh, no-hit innings from the bullpen after that. Until Karinchek, the bullpen gave up two hits yesterday. The bullpen pitched uh, one, two, three, four, five, six innings. 
Six and a third innings yesterday of two-hit ball. That's, I mean, that's really good. Really good. Unfortunately, one of the hits was a three-run home run. So the bullpen does their job. Plesak, you can't, man, it's just, it's quicksand out there, man. The inning just got away from him. I mean, maybe do they, I don't remember if Carl Willis went out and talked to him at all or what, or, uh, you know, if there's anything they could have seen mechanically and been like, hey, man, finish your pitches or something like that. I, I, I don't know what happened that Plesak just fell apart in that inning, but Francona had zero confidence in him getting out of that situation, putting it back together, going another 30 pitches, right? 30, 40 pitches. He's only at 63 pitches. So uh, Francona did not want to see what would happen for those next 30, 40 pitches. And then Jay Happ was striking us out like crazy on the other side. I mean, Jay Happ does get hit hard a little bit. He goes six innings, gives up eight hits, four runs. So, I mean, that's not a great box score, but 10 strikeouts from Jay Happ. And Hap is not a huge strikeout guy. He doesn't throw incredibly hard stuff. His fastball was averaging 90.9 yesterday. But he throws a ton of breaking stuff. Sliders, changeups, curves, sinkers. His CSW on his slider, which he threw 22 times, was 50% CSW. 10 swings, 6 whiffs, 5 called strikes. Uh, His CSW on the day was 36%. So, yeah, uh, his off-speed stuff, his curveball, he was at 38% CSW. His fastball was at 35% CSW. Got a ton of called strikes, 11 called strikes, 9 whiffs on 35 swings. They were up there hacking at his fastball and fouling it off a ton. That's what helps. You want to add up some strikes quick? Get some foul balls. I know sometimes a hitter feels like the foul ball is his tool, right? It keeps you to bat alive. It works you deeper into the count. It tires out the pitcher. It lets you see more of what the pitcher has so you can eventually lock in on a pitch. There are times when a foul ball can be a hitter's tool. There's also times when it can be a pitcher's tool because guess what? It throws another strike on the count. It gets you to that, you know, 0-2, 1-2 count pretty quickly if you're fouling balls off and then if you can't finish it, you can't actually put it in play, which they only put 10 of them in play yesterday. Uh... There were 20 call strikes and whiffs, 16 foul balls, and 10 balls actually put in play on Hap's fastball. And this team is a team designed to hit fastballs. And these are not very fast fastballs either. Um, let's look at his location here. Hap was kind of all over with the fastball. He does throw it up a lot. That's the, that's the trend, right? You got to throw your fastball high. But he did paint a little bit on the right edge of the plate and the left edge of the plate. He was moving it back and forth. All right, and then their bullpen came in and did a pretty good job. I mean, they only give up, the only run they give up is that sack bunt uh, to Luplo in the ninth inning. Other than that, Thielbar, Rogers, Robles, and Duffy all go an inning. And uh, aside from that one run, shut down the Indians' offense. So, yeah, it was a pretty rough day for the Indians. I mean, they end up striking out 15 times, 15 strikeouts from Indians' hitters. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, that's a brutal one, man. I mean, when you look at those two numbers combined, 15 strikeouts, and then the three for 18 with runners in scoring position, that is a brutal combination. So the Indians do something they should absolutely not do. They lose a series to the Minnesota Twins right now. 
Uh, luckily, Chicago also lost their series this weekend. So the Indians are technically only a game and a half back. But I'm the last place team who just has absolutely no clue what's going on with its pitching right now. You can't, you cannot be losing series to these guys. And we got the Detroit Tigers coming up next. And the Tiger, this should be a boost, right? A four-game set against the Tigers absolutely should be a boost in the standings to everybody's confidence, to team morale. And then after that, you got to go and face the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. You get the Blue Jays at home, and then you get a four-game set against the White Sox. So we're going to start to see some teams here that we're not used to seeing. Toronto, we got Baltimore and St. Louis coming up. We got a home series against Seattle and Baltimore. Then we see Pittsburgh. All right, more of those National League Central teams are coming up in June. Pittsburgh, Chicago Cubs. So those are some teams we're pretty familiar with. Um, but yeah, Baltimore uh, and Seattle coming back. Toronto. So we're going to start getting into that American League East, which is a brutal division right now. Four teams all have positive run differentials in that American League East. So these teams know how to put up runs. Now, we're going long today because it's the quarter, you know, the quarter mark of the season, and the Indians are a little bit past 40 games, right? They're at 44 games played so far, 24 and 20. At the beginning of the season, if I would have told you coming out of spring training that, you know, getting close to Memorial Day, the Indians would be 24 and 20, you would take it. You would absolutely take it. You know how you felt about this team after the Lindor trade, you know, after... Eddie Rosario being really the only big free agent signing, bringing back Cesar Hernandez, yeah, but, you know, not adding any thump to the lineup. You know you'd be happy with 24 and 20. Uh, we're sitting in second place, so that's, you know, a good position to be in. We're, we're in the chase position here, so it takes a little of the pressure off of being that first place, first place team being the one chased with the target on your back. Uh and then let's take a look at some of the numbers. Where do the Indians rank amongst Major League Baseball? I'm on MLB.com because they have the most up-to-date stats. And let's look at good old batting average where the Houston Astros are leading the league at 270. The Boston Red Sox, no surprise, first place Red Sox are at 263. Your Cleveland Indians come in at 28th in baseball at 260. 14 as a as a team they are close to that 200 line which the seattle mariners are at the seattle mariners are last in baseball at 200 milwaukee brewers are 29th at 213 your indians are at 214 that is absolutely brutal a brutal team batting average ops does it get any better when we add in walks when we add in slugging percentage does the OPS look any better where the Red Sox are leading baseball at 774? They swap places with the Astros, who are at 761. The Braves are at 758, and your Cleveland Indians come in at 24th, 673. Uh, again, the Seattle Mariners, the worst in baseball. Man, it must be brutal to be a Mariners fan right now. All right, but are the Indians doing anything? Is there anything we can look at? Maybe home runs, right? They were hitting a lot of home runs to start the season. Again, the Atlanta Braves are the best in baseball with 78. I mean, they're way out ahead of the rest of baseball. Oakland is second with 68. The Reds, who have been hitting a ton of home runs, are third with 67. Your Cleveland Indians come in at 15th with 54. Actually respectable on home runs. 
The Pirates only have 30. The New York Mets only have 30. Uh, RBIs, are we at least getting guys in? Uh, you know, where the Houston Astros are leading in RBIs with 235, the Dodgers with 233, those first place Red Sox with 229. Your Cleveland Indians are coming in at 26th with 168. I mean, that's that's a huge differential right there um, in the amount of runs driven in. So, yeah, it's not looking pretty for the Indians offense. Obviously, run scored. The Boston Red Sox are at 249, leading baseball your Cleveland Indians come in at 24th with 176. Oh, man, we've scored almost 50 less, you know, almost 70 runs less than the uh, Boston Red Sox. That is, oh, man, that is rough. Uh, all right. Are they striking out a ton? I feel like last year they were striking out a ton. The Rays are leading baseball with 501 strikeouts. Not the good kind of strikeouts. Strikeouts against your team. Uh, Their hitters struck out 501 times. The Indians are actually a little bit respectable in this situation. The Indians are uh, 20. You know what? I should flip this. Flip this around. They were the worst in baseball. The Astros are the best with only 325. The Indians are actually sixth with only 377 strikeouts. So they have cut down on their strikeouts. That is good to see. Um, Yeah, there's not much positive here I can say about the Indians' offense, but I can say that they have cut down on their strikeouts. Now, the last stat I want to look at here on the MLB page is BAPBIP. Batting average balls in play and obviously it's an example of how lucky you are but also I mean how good you are at hitting the gaps finding the holes in the infield being a little bit unpredictable on offense um, not hitting into the shift every time Uh, obviously hitting balls off the wall help right anything you could do to get yourself on base to get that batting average up when you put the ball in play A lot of this comes down to luck. A lot of this comes down to skill. And the White Sox are the best in baseball right now. Their bat pip is 316. Tied with the Red Sox, also at 316. The Nationals and Phillies right behind them. The Indians in this category come in second to last, only above the Seattle Mariners at 251. Meaning, even when the Indians are putting the ball in play, they are having no luck with it. Absolutely no luck with it. Or... It's not that good a contact. So, yes, they are not striking out a ton, right? It's kind of amazing that these two stats are the opposite of each other. That the Indians could be doing so well at not striking out, but when they are putting the ball in play, having no luck with it. Just no luck with it. So, tons of ground outs would be, you know, would be a factor in this situation. Um, Weak contact would be a factor in this situation. It's just... It's just not working for the Indians right now, even when they put the ball in play. All right, going over to the pitching. And uh, as you can imagine, the things here are a little bit better uh, for the pitching, but it's not. we're not pacing baseball the way we did uh, last year. Uh, team ERA from, from pitching. And you know what? Let's look at starters versus um, relievers, okay? So this is for the starters, So, leading baseball from a starting position uh, is the San Diego Padres. Their team ERA is 264 for their starting pitching. 
The Indians actually come in at, you're going to be surprised, 21st. 21st, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie, those starts have not helped uh, the team ERA. A 456 team ERA for the starters. Uh, as far as it goes to strikeouts, though, that you can imagine we're doing a little bit better in. We come in at 13th when it comes to starter strikeouts. Actually, not that good. The LA Dodgers are at 323. The Yankees are at 292. The Indians only have 244 strikeouts from their starters. Taking a look at whip, walks, hits per inning pitched. The Dodgers, again, their starters are leading baseball at 0.89. The Indian starters come in at 15th, 1.26. This is not that great for our starting pitching. I mean, this team is built on starting pitching. And if these guys aren't getting it done... That's that's problems. I mean, with last year starting pitching, a five runs against the Minnesota Twins is probably enough to get the job done. But this year, with the way the starting pitching has been, and Plesak fell apart in this game, and, you know, it hasn't been enough to get the job done. All right, let's take a look at the relievers now. Let's see if the bullpen is doing a little bit better than the starters did. So flipping over to the relievers, and we'll go back to good old-fashioned ERA. And this time, the Indians are right there at the top. The Padres have the best ERA from their bullpen at 253. The Indians are right behind them at 264. So if you could say one thing is working on this team, it might be the bullpen. Let's go to strikeouts. Uh, we know Karen Check has struck out a ton of guys. The Padres bullpen is leading with 233 strikeouts. The Indians bullpen comes in at 13th. With 183 strikeouts. Okay, so they're not dominating the strikeouts. Let's look at walks, hits per inning pitch. The good old whip. This time it's the Yankees just scraping past the Padres. The Yankees bullpen is at 1.03 whip. The Padres are at 1.09. The Indians come in at fourth at 1.17 on their team bullpen whip. So that is pretty good. So if you could say one unit is functioning on this Indians team... It's the bullpen. But when the starters don't really set them up for success and the offense doesn't give them a lead to work with, uh, it doesn't matter how good your bullpen is. I mean, yes, they're keeping us in games, but if the offense can't find a way to come back and take the lead, what does it all mean? What does it matter, right? All right, so some other things I wanted to get into is I just wanted to look at the Indians roster and see who is performing, like who is actually standing out right now. Um, and standing out right now on the Indians offense over on baseball reference right now. And it is, uh, it is not looking too good over there. The only ones when it comes to batting average that stand out, uh, Jose Ramirez at 259. Josh Naylor is hitting 257. Respectable. Fermil Reyes was at 257 before hitting the IL. Ahmed Rosario has actually got his batting average up to 248, which, I mean, the way the season started for Ahmed Rosario, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, Harold Ramirez is hanging in there at 264. Uh, and R Rene Rivera, in a very small sample size, is at 286. I mean, he's four for 14. Um, there are some things in here that do not. Look good though. Obviously, Yu Chang's 150. Roberto Perez was at 131 before going on the IL. 
Luplo is down to 165. Eddie Rosario is at 212. Andres Jimenez was at 179 before being sent down. Cesar Hernandez is getting his batting average back up there. Same thing with Ahmed Rosario. It started really bad. He's at 227. Jake Bowers is hitting 183, and Austin Hedges is only at 136. So, yeah, there are some really bad batting averages on this team. Uh, I would say Jose Ramirez is pulling his weight. I would say Naylor is probably pulling his weight out there, and Fermil Reyes was definitely pulling his weight before he got injured. Ahmed Rosario has really come on lately. I'm surprised he's got a decent amount of extra base hits, but his slugging percentage is only 376. Uh, looking at OPS plus, OPS plus is always a great stat. You know I love the plus stats because you can see where people compare to the rest of the league. And Jose Ramirez is at a 145 OPS plus. That's great to see. Jordan Luplo is still at a 103 OPS plus. He has hit enough home runs. Uh, and walked enough. He got his on-base percentage. He's at 20 walks so far this season. Um, second on the team behind Cesar Hernandez. So uh, Jordan Luplo still has a 103 OPS plus. And then Fermil Reyes was at a 140 OPS plus before getting hurt. Cesar Hernandez is at a 90. Uh, Josh Naylor is at a 93. They're knocking on the door as far as league average goes. Harold Ramirez is at a 102. So, yeah, those are your guys. Uh, actually, when you take on-base percentage and slugging percentage, factor it in, and then compare it to the rest of the league, which OPS Plus does, league average is set to 100, those are the guys getting it done. Yu Cheng is at 12. OPS Plus at 12. Austin Hedges is at 17. Now, we know Austin Hedges is here for his defense. I am not going to hammer Austin Hedges for his offense. Give us one big hit a week that drives in a run, Austin Hedges, and I'd be fine with it. I mean, we're, we got some time between the next Naylor kid comes up and some of our young catching prospects come up that can actually hit the ball because right now it's all about defense and calling a game when it comes from the catching position. So that's what's going on with the offense here. Uh, like I said, there's not many pretty numbers to look at. Obviously, Jose Ramirez is leading with home runs at 12. Fermil Reyes was right behind him at 11. The next highest is actually Cesar Hernandez, who has five home runs. I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming. Uh, Eddie Rosario only has three home runs. He does have 22 RBIs, so he is managing to produce when there's a runner in scoring position. But his OPS plus is only a 61 this is the guy we paid the most money to. We paid actual free agency money for this guy to come here and be a run producer. And I guess he's driving in runs, but it ain't pretty with a 61 OPS+. plus. In fact, I wanted to dig even more in Eddie Rosario to see what the heck is going on because his percentile rankings over on Baseball Savant are just awful. Just a ton of blue on his percentile ranking. Red means great, and the deeper red the color is, the better you're doing. Blue means poor, and the deeper blue it is, the worse you're doing. Um, and it's bad. It's a lot of blue here. And looking at his spray chart, he's not hitting for power to his pull side. He's not pulling the ball. He's got two home runs over there in the right field. He dropped a double down the right field line. His other uh, five doubles are all opposite field and a homer to the opposite field. Now, he's singled a bunch of times to the right side, 
But if you look at a spray chart from 2020, which at this point we're getting to similar levels of you know plate appearances and things like that, he has a ton of home runs to right field, a ton of doubles to right center field, one in the right field corner, uh, one... I don't know, how do you double when you hit the ball? You don't even get the ball past first base. How does that a double? Um, <laughs> I'd love to see the story behind that one. Um, yeah, not a lot of opposite field stuff. A lot of pulled power. And we're not seeing the pulled power from, from Eddie Rosario right now. And one thing that was concerning to me was his... It feels like Eddie Rosario is hitting a ton of ground balls, right? It feels like... He keeps hitting ground balls, and it's not our imagination. His ground ball percentage last year was 36.5%. In fact, his ground ball percentage has consistently dropped since the 2016 season, down to 36.5% last year, while it's back up to 43.5%. It's almost back to where he was when he was a rookie, basically. And uh, yeah, and you can imagine that the, uh, the fly ball percentage is down. The pull percentage is down, um, down almost five percentage points from where it was last year. In 2019 and 2018, he was up in near 40% pulling the ball. Now he's down to 33.1%. I love when a guy goes opposite field. Don't get me wrong. And Eddie Rosario is up to 28.2%, the most he's ever gone opposite field in his career. But... It is just, it's not creating the offense that you want it to create. It doesn't feel like it's a purposeful approach to go opposite field. It feels like he's off balance at the plate and uh, just trying to stay alive. And that's why he's going to opposite field. So yeah, so uh, things are not going the way we thought things would go with Eddie Rosario. Still a lot of season to go. Still plenty of at-bats. This guy's going to get 600 at-bats this year. Easy. 650 at-bats. And uh, there's still a long way to go, but I really, really hope he starts pulling the ball a little bit more and driving that ball out to right field. Let's see some home runs for those people over the drink rails in right field. All right, when it comes to pitching, looking at the starters, uh, Shane Bieber is obviously, him and Savali are battling for the best starter. Uh, His ERA plus, again, league average set to 100, ERA, how are you doing? Shane Bieber's at 132 ERA plus. Aaron Savali's at 133. Plesak is above league average still at 106. Fielding independent pitching. This is something that Shane Bieber really can separate himself in because it's home runs, walks, hits batman, hit batsmen, and strikeouts. Uh, so it takes away everything. It's the like inverse of BAPIP, right? BAPIP is batting average balls in play. This is everything that's not hit to a fielder. A home run, a walk, a hit by pitch, or a strikeout. And you can imagine with the amount of strikeouts that Shane Bieber gets, he's doing pretty good in this category. It's made to look like an ERA. So think of these numbers just like you would think of ERA numbers. He's at 293. The rest of the starters are over four. Savali's at 422. Plesek's at 451. You don't even want to know what Tristan McKenzie and Logan Allen are at. Or Sam Henches, it's not good. It's six, ooh, nine and seven for those guys. Uh, whip walks, hits per inning, pitch. This is where Savali and Plesak are getting, uh, you know, a little bit back on Bieber. Bieber's at a one point two. Whip, uh, Savali and Plesak are both at one zero and change. 
So uh, Bieber has given up some hits. He's at 8.2 hits per nine innings, whereas Savali is only at 6.8. Now, obviously, the strikeouts, 13.6 per nine innings. Uh, Savali is only at 7.1. Plesak's only 5.8. McKenzie was striking guys out. He was at 12.6 Ks per nine innings. Uh, so he was matching Bieber. He was kind of pacing Bieber a little bit when it came to strikeouts, but his walk rate was just off the chart, 8.6 per nine innings. Um, the rest of the Indian starters are doing okay when it comes to walks. Um, let's take a look at the bullpen here really quick, and then we'll get out of here. I told you this was going to be a long episode, but we're looking at the quarter pole here and seeing where these guys are. Uh, the bullpen, the guys you would expect... Um, I mean, Karinchek and Klasse are dominating. Shaw is dominating. Uh, let's look at, take a look at whip for these guys. Klasse has given up some hits. Um, he is at 1.35 whip. He has given up 8.3 hits per nine innings. Karinchek, meanwhile, is at a 0.629 whip. He's averaging 1.7 hits per nine innings. Or if you were to stretch him out over nine innings, he'd only give up less than two hits. Shaw is at a 2.0 hits per nine innings. Those two are dominating out of the bullpen. Shaw's at a 0.889 whip. Um, yeah, they've both gotten tagged for some... Karen Cech's gotten tagged for two bad home runs. Classe has not given up a home run yet. Uh, Shaw has he's given up a few runs. I mean, so both their ERAs are over one. I mean, a few runs. A few. They are striking guys out a ton, though. That is great to see. 16.5 Ks per nine innings from Karinchek. 10 Ks per nine from Brian Shaw. Wickren is actually at 10.7 Ks per nine inning. Trevor Steffen is at 10.7 Ks per nine inning. Mayton is at 12.2. Sandlin is at 11.0 Ks per nine inning. Sandlin's whip is at a 0.556. His fielding independent pitching is at a 2.04. Sandlin is pitching really, really well since the call-up. So yeah, so the Indians' bullpen has some really flashy numbers here, some really great numbers to see. The ERA Plus is a little ridiculous when it comes to relief pitching. To show you how ridiculous it is, I told you Shane Bieber's doing pretty good, right? He's at a 132 ERA Plus. Emmanuel Classe is at a 508 ERA plus. So that scale doesn't really work when it comes to relievers. Um, FIP, walks per hits per inning pitch, a much better indication of how, and ERA, of course, a much better indication of how a reliever is doing. So those are the Indians' numbers at the quarter mark. They're 24 and 20. It could be worse, it could be better. They're playing, you know, that's kind of where they're at. They're kind of around a 500 team. And uh, could this be enough for them to challenge for the division? Could this be enough for them to claim a wild card spot? Yeah. I mean, if you stay at this pace, right, you're looking at a, you know, high 80s, low 90s win team. But you got to take advantage of the weakness of the Central Division when it comes to the Twins and the Tigers. I can't believe I'm saying that, but the Twins are. The Twins are one of the weakest teams in baseball right now, and you got to take advantage of that. And then we got to see how they match up when they go out of the Central Division. It's something we have not done a lot of, uh, you know, so far in the last two seasons. We have not ventured out of the Central Division much because of, you know, everything going on in the world. And when we have, it hasn't gone well, right? The Yankees, 
the Mariners series. We got the Angels series. We're going to be facing Toronto and Baltimore coming up. When we venture out of the American League Central and the National League Central, for that matter, we have got to be able to come up with something. We have got to be competitive. Uh, We're going to need those wins. We cannot rely on just wins against the Central Division. We need wins against those other divisions. So we'll see what's coming up when it comes to facing Baltimore and uh, facing Toronto. Uh, So, yeah. All right, that's all my thoughts. Let's wrap this up. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. By the way, by the way, MVP for the day. I can't even call it MVP for the day. I'm going to call it the uh, apology for the day. We apologize to Ahmed Rosario that he was so good yesterday and we could not drive him in. So this is replacing MVP for the day. This is the... We feel bad for you of the day. We we apologize to you for the day to Ahmed Rosario. It was obnoxious that he was on base so many times and couldn't be brought around to score, especially with the triple and the double. All right, so that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. We got a big four-game set against the Tigers coming up, and I will be here to talk about all of it. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.